This is Laura Dierdo with the Becker's Cardiology Podcast. I'm thrilled today to be joined by Dr. Angel Leon, the Linton and June Bishop Chair of Medicine and Associate Director for Clinical Operations in the Division of Cardiology at Emory University School of Medicine. He also serves as the co-director of Emory Heart and Vascular Institute in Atlanta. Dr. Leon, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. Well, thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here, and I look forward to an interesting uh, exchange. Fantastic. Well, before we dive into the questions, could you tell us a little bit more about yourself and your background? Well, we can go pretty far back. Uh, I was born in Cuba. I was fortunate to come to the United States at age seven. Grew up in Florida, did my medical training uh, at the University of Miami, then Emory University, and then University of Michigan. I've been Emory faculty since 1992. I trained as a cardiac electrophysiologist. I was uh, lucky to have gone to the University of Michigan and work under Fred Moratti, who was one of the individuals most instrumental in the, really the explosion and the growth of therapeutic uh, cardiac electrophysiology in this country. Uh, And then I came back to Emory uh, to be on the faculty. I began really in the early days of catheter ablation where we were working on Wolf-Parkinson-White, AV node reentry. Gradually, we became a lot more involved in device therapy to prevent sudden death, resynchronization for heart failure. And then in the last few years, uh, we've really been doing a lot of work ablating atrial fibrillation, ventricular tachycardia, and the field has evolved from where we began using very simple tools to map arrhythmia to today where we use complex computerized mapping systems. And and again, I've just been very lucky to have been at the right place at the right time. And I've had a pretty, in my, in my view, uh, I've had a great time doing what I do. That's fantastic to hear and, and really appreciate you going through such an amazing history and journey to where you are today. And it leads me to my first question. What are your top priorities right now? Well, my really the, the first thing that I want to stress is the need to continue to encourage innovation and the use of technology to expand our knowledge and improve how we take care of our patients. I have been a witness to tremendous strides in drug and device development over the past 30 years, and then some really even in the last year. I mean, if we really look at where cardiology has gone during those past, let's say 15, 20, 30 years, we've seen innovation and technology that has really run the gamut. The development of drugs like statins have contributed greatly to the drop in death from coronary disease in the United States. That has been a tremendous innovation. We looked at valve replacement, which has evolved from 
a very complex open heart, open chest operation to transcatheter valve techniques that have completely changed how we approach patients with valvular heart disease. We've seen the development of cardiac defibrillators that rescue people who would otherwise die. We've seen widespread use of these devices that impact sudden death. And then we start looking at some of the indwelling and implantable monitoring technology, assist devices. And I see one of the biggest issues is how do we harness this knowledge, this knowledge and this technology in the appropriate way to really take care of our patients. You know, one of the most amazing things that I have seen in medicine in the last 12 months is outside of cardiology, um, the COVID SARS virus and the vaccine technology to, to uh, counteract it gives us a great example of how technology can, can help us. Within one week of having the genome of the virus mapped, pharmaceutical industries came up with a vaccine. Now, you know, they had to put it through clinical trials, but to come up with a vaccine one week after the genome was identified is incredible. Um, and I think that, that those are examples of how innovation and technology can really help us in our, in our medical practice, can really help public health. So I believe that, you know, we have to overcome inertia. We have to overcome over-reliance on the traditional approaches that we have used, some of which really weren't based on data, on evidence. We need to move away from those approaches and embrace technologies, embrace clinical trials to really look at the impact of how we practice and how we can deliver the best care in the treatment of heart disease. Because, you know, given an environment with limited resources, we have to extract maximum benefit from the resources that we have. We have to try to reduce or eliminate waste and harm. And I think innovation and education are extremely important in that. Um, so I think that that and the ability to educate and train the next generation of cardiologists is really innovation, education are what I see as our, one of our top priorities, one of our really uh, important goals in, in, in cardiology and in healthcare. That makes a lot of sense. And thank you so much for going through that with us. As you mentioned, it's so exciting to hear about some of the new innovations and really thinking about how now, you know, that kind of shift needs to happen in order to take advantage of what's available today. I'm wondering, you know, considering all of the things in the evolution of um, how, how medicine is going, how do you anticipate your role and your teams will evolve in the next 18 months? Well, you know, I'm a cardiologist at an academic medical center. Uh, I have to look at every aspect of how we practice and look at where do we add value to the patient and to the healthcare system? 
how do we reduce waste and harm? Um, most recently, let's take a look at what we learned from our response to the COVID pandemic. You know, how did the conditions imposed on us identify opportunities for improvement? You know, how did we respond to the crisis? How did we become more efficient? How did we diminish waste? How did we optimize patient outcomes by taking care of them on an ambulatory basis, reducing hospital utilization and the utilization of resources? You know, how did we introduce telemedicine and remote care when we couldn't bring patients into an environment to expose them to uh, potential uh, contamination? Um, you know, take a look at what we did over these last 18 months in many ways. Um, for example, our structural heart cardiologists actually were able to perform a number of aortic valve replacements, transcatheter valve replacements, sending patients home the same day. They did that because we needed to keep the patients out of the hospital and reduce their exposure. So when we are forced to adapt and forced to innovate, we respond. The question is, are we going to accept and embrace those new approaches, the new techniques, or are we going to revert back to the way we did things before? You know, we've got to take the lessons that we learned in terms of utilization of resources, better ways to take care of patients that we've learned recently, and let's not forget them. Let's put them to work so that we can do a better job even beyond the conditions imposed upon us by the pandemic. That's a great point. And I appreciate, you know, you bringing that up because obviously the pandemic forced many things and then now being able to refine and take kind of the best of what you learned and, you know, making sure that you're in a good place to um, give great patient care obviously is really important. What are you most excited about today and what makes you nervous? The most exciting thing for me 30 years into my career is looking at the talented and bright people who are still choosing careers in medicine and in cardiology. I think it's great. Um, I, I am, I've said this before, I am fortunate to be part of what I still think is a great profession. And when I see energetic, bright people going into this, that excites me. I mean, we've made tremendous progress in the prevention of coronary disease. As I said, our approach to valvular heart disease took a quantum leap during the last five or seven years. I mean, again, who, who could have imagined that we would be replacing aortic valves on an outpatient basis? But guess what? We did that. You know, we've seen device therapy come in and prevent sudden death. We've got ways of preventing strokes. You know, I'm excited when I look at how these innovative technologies have helped us take care of patients. Um, it's, it's, it's great. So that is something that really energizes me and, and gets me excited and makes me pr uh, proud to be in the profession that I have chosen. 
Absolutely. And that's great to hear. It's so, you know, nice to know that as things keep moving forward, you know, there are still such energy and passion within the field, which is obviously so important to the healthcare of many, many people. Um, as we wrap up our conversation here, can you share three important trends for emerging leaders in healthcare to follow? Well, if you look at emerging trends or if you look at trends for emerging leaders, my, my one advice is the following. Number one, uh, love what you do, okay? Ask yourself why you do it and strive to be the best that you can be. We should never stop learning, which goes back to what I was simply saying. Let's look at, let's look at how we embrace technology. Let's look at how we embrace innovation, particularly in shifting from traditional ways of caring patients to more efficient, less uh, obtrusive ways of doing it and better use our resources and technology. So really love what you do, challenge yourself. I mean, I would suggest people to stop every day and, and let's make sure we're given our all to the benefit of, of the patient and, and to our profession. You know, be your strongest critic and challenge those around you to do the same. Let's not settle for mediocrity. Let's not settle for uh, to be just good enough. Let's be better. And the, the one advice that I really tell the people around me that, that, that I that train with me is, uh, you know, be honest. Be honest to yourself, be honest to others. Never compromise your integrity and continue to communicate as clearly and as directly as you can to avoid confusion and avoid misconceptions. So those are the three points that if you ask me what advice I would give to emerging leaders, that would be it. Dr. Leon, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. That was some really fantastic advice, and I appreciate the information you shared as well in terms of where the field of cardiology is headed. Uh, I look forward to connecting with you again soon. Thank you.